Welcome to the Grace Baptist Church podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at Grace Baptist Church. We'd also love to connect with you online at gracekettering.org. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy the episode. All right, I want you to open your Bibles tonight, the book of Exodus chapter number four. Exodus chapter number four, it's good to be in the Lord's house this evening. I've enjoyed the singing. Brother, thank you for that song. I've never heard that one and uh, I've heard a bunch over the years and that, that's a blessing. And I mean this in as most positive way I can say it. Don't don't ever apologize for having emotion and singing. Amen. Uh, I wish we had more of that. I wish more preachers more emotion in their preaching. Uh, if we're passionate and real about something, it ought to come out. What's on the inside ought to come out. And I I was blessed by that. I'd rather you shake through it and cry through it and and it be genuine than be so professional that all the reality is took out of it. So that that was a blessing to my heart. Exodus chapter number four, I do want to just say thank you so much for your kindness um, to the pastor and his wife and family. Thank you for the, the hospitality. His wife fixed uh, lunch for us today and just tremendous and opened their home and um, I, I really appreciate that. It's, <clears throat> I'm a southerner and I preach a lot in the south. I've pastored in the south and preached in the south for years very common down there to be invited into a pastor's home, but since I've lived in Michigan, I'm trying to think if I've been invited in any home when I've preached up this way. It just don't happen. I don't think we have. And so that was an extra treat, just to be at the pastor's house and, and uh, be with his kids and learn all the family secrets. And <clears throat> when you have kids, there is no family secrets. And uh, so Sierra has informed us of everything. And, uh, uh, but I, I do want to say how much I appreciate his hospitality. Church, thank you for your kindness, for the nice place to stay. And uh, I do hope that you'll pray for us and, and, uh, and that God will meet the needs that we have. He knows all about them. Exodus chapter number four, I told the pastor at lunch, it's uh, being on the road now and preaching away. As a pastor every week, I averaged preaching minimum five times a week when I was a pastor. We had a Christian school. I preached in our chapel every day that I was there. And uh, on top of Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday, and special events. And, and, uh, <clears throat> but being, so it's not a matter now that I'm on the road of having something to preach. It's just praying, God, what do I preach over all that I have from the years? And as the Lord still gives me message. And uh, I want to be a help. I don't want to just fill the pulpit. You've got a great pastor, and, and I know that he feeds you biblically and encourages you. But I definitely feel this is the direction the Lord wants us to go after much prayer and, and meditation. Exodus chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we will uh, look at the thought God's given me. And Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me. Now, just for context, uh, the Lord has showed up to Moses in the burning bush. Most of us know the story. And he's told him, I want you to go to Egypt, and I want you to go to Pharaoh, and I want you to tell him to let my people go. And God tells him up front that he's not going to do it, and I'm going to do signs and wonders and works. And, 
Uh, but I want you to do this, Moses. And Moses is in the midst of arguing with God about what God wants him to do. Now you say, oh, how dare he? Well, you may not be as verbal as Moses, but if we're honest, we've all argued with God. Uh, we do it probably more regularly than we realize. The man of God preaches something, tells us something, we don't like what he says, we argue. Whether it's ourselves or to God or to him or a uh, preacher comes by and says something we don't like or Holy Ghost deals with us as we just heard from the singing or whatever it may be or we read our Bible and, well, I know it says that, but Moses is struggling here. And the Lord in verse number 2, the Lord said unto him, what is that? And let me finish verse 1. I don't know if I finished it. Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me, nor hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thine hand? And he said, A rod. And he said, Cast it on the ground. And he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses fled from before it. And the Lord said unto Moses, Put forth thine hand, take it by the tail. And he put forth his hand and called it, and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath appeared unto thee. I'm interested tonight with the help of the Lord uh, breaking this text down as the Lord dealt with my heart, and I'll explain a little bit about that through the message, but I, I want to deal with this passage and I want to really deal with the subject of faith tonight. That's not the title, I'll give that in a moment, but you know, we, um, one of the greatest needs, I believe, in our Christian life and in churches in 2022 is faith. I quoted it this morning and preached a little bit about it this morning, but the Bible said without faith it is impossible to please God. If you don't get nothing else out of the two messages, please live your life the next week every day thinking, Brother Treadway kept saying, without faith it is impossible to please God because it is impossible to please God without faith. And he's not talking about faith and salvation there. He's talking about believing God. Psalm 78 is one of my favorite psalms. And in Psalm 78, you, you say, why would that be your favorite? Because it's a long psalm, but in that psalm, God over and over and over tells Israel, you've provoked me to anger. Boy, they must have really done something bad. They did. God said in that chapter ten times, you would not believe me. As a matter of fact, God makes a statement in Psalm 78 that is almost beyond my comprehension. He says to them, you limited, because of your unbelief, you limited the Holy One of Israel. Would you stop and let that sink in? The God that spoke the earth and the creation into existence from nothing. The clouds are the dust of his feet. He hung the earth on nothing. The earth is his footstool. That God that can span all the oceans in the palm of his hand, that God said, you were able to limit what I could do. Well, preacher, that's Old Testament. Well, let's go to the New Testament. Jesus, the Bible said, when he was in a certain area, wanted to do many mighty works there. But the Bible said because of their unbelief, he could not. I am sincerely burdened 
about the lack of faith we as God's people have in our God. I'm afraid we've got more faith in government. And we all know how trusting we can be towards it. I'm afraid we have more faith in our banking system. We write a check and expect it to be cashed. We make a deposit and we expect our money to be there a week later. I'm afraid we have more faith in our postal system and we all know how accurate that is. And yet when it comes to God, a God who has never failed us, a God who has never made a mistake, a God that has nothing but our good in store, we fail to believe Back before 2020, when the Lord told me to step down from my church, if you would have asked me what I thought one of my gifts was and what one of my strong points was, Pastor, I would have told you faith. I really believed, and not in a prideful sense, of just God, uh, one of the leadership qualities of leadership is you've got to know your strengths and you've got to know your weaknesses. And you've got to keep both of them under control and ask God to help you. And I, I felt, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> I felt like over the years that, one of my strengths was just believing God. When God said He wanted the church to do something, I didn't have a whole lot of problem fighting it, or even when I couldn't see it, or where the money was coming from, or anything else. Okay, God, when God as a young man said, go to Papua New Guinea, and we were the youngest couple ever accepted with the mission board, and going to a dangerous place, I said, okay, God, and just on and on I could go. I thought, man, you know, I think God's blessed me with an ability just to believe God and trust God, and I would have told you that I had pretty good faith until it got real personal. Until the Lord said, step down from your church and step out by faith and walk away from your salary and your house and, and the consistent income and step out in a ministry that you know very little about and how you're going to do it and how you're going to make it right in the middle of COVID. And, and my faith got tested. I've realized real quick I didn't have near the faith I thought I had. What I'm learning and what I've learned on this journey is that I don't know that we ever get the faith God wants us to have. I think it's a continual growth process of just reaching the next level. I guarantee you if you're an honest person, no matter how old you are tonight, you would admit, though you may have graduated high school and college and learned some things, you're still learning. I think faith is the same thing. I think it's a constant process that God takes us through that we will be in from now till he comes back or he takes us home. And in this passage I find a struggle that's very real in the life of Moses that is very real, has been very real in my life and God used this passage in, in April of 2020 to really tear my heart out and God used it to get me to take a step of faith that I needed to take that I didn't think I could take. And through my prayer time and through my, that, that, those couple days of prayer, God birthed this message in my heart and God made me live this message and I believe it will be a help to you. And I want you to notice first of all tonight, I'm preaching on this thought. The Bible said in verse number 3, God tells Moses, cast it on the ground. And that, that's my title tonight, cast it on the on the ground. I know uh, I've preached out of this passage many times. We could talk about what do you have in your hand and that rod, and I'll mention that, but that's not really where I'm going tonight. But God looks at Moses in this, this test here, and Moses is struggling with believing God and tr 
trusting God, and God says, Moses, I want you to cast it on the ground. And I think there's some things that we need to cast tonight. And if you're taking notes, I want you to notice, first of all, for sake of outline, I want you to notice the forsaking that God expected in the life of Moses. The forsaking that God expected in the life of Moses. God, listen, Moses is arguing with God at what God is expecting in his life. But as I said a moment ago, I think we've all, whether we want to admit it or not, have argued with God one time or another. And as he's arguing with God, God says to him, Okay, Moses, God said, here's what I want you to do. And Moses says, but they're not going to believe me. Or what if they say the Lord hadn't appeared unto me? And God says to Moses in verse number 2, What is that in thine hand? Now you've got to understand, for the last 40 years, Moses has been a shepherd. You know the story of Moses, how uh, he uh, uh, believed that he was going to be a deliverer of Israel. We learned that in the New Testament where Moses really sincerely thought, probably from the teaching of his mother, that he was going to be a deliverer. And so he rushes God and gets ahead of God and kills an Egyptian and should not have and, and tries to correct two Israelites that are arguing with one another. And, and so he has to run and has to escape. And, and for 40 years he's been in Midian. He's been in the desert. He's been in a shepherd. It's ironic that uh, Moses to the Egyptians, a shepherd was uh, about the lowest of the caste system you could go. And Moses went from most commentators saying being the next Pharaoh all the way down to the outcast of society. And I'm saying, listen to you, uh, to, God says to him, Moses, I know you've been a shepherd for 40 years, but I've got something else for you. And he says to him, what's in your hand? Well, what was in the hand? God, in verse number two, Moses says a, a rod. In other words, it was a staff. It was a, it was a shepherd's staff. Now understand that he had had this staff a long time. As I studied a little bit about the rod of the shepherd and the staff, this was a very important item to them. It was a prominent uh, thing in their life because this was the main thing they used in the care of the sheep. It wasn't like just some stick they picked off the ground and said, this will work. A lot of care and thought went into the weight of the staff and the length of the staff, depending on the size of the shepherd and, and, and how strong the staff was going to be. I'm just saying that for Moses for 40 years, keeping sheep for his father-in-law and his own sheep, this was a very prominent thing in the life of Moses. A shepherd's rod, a shepherd's staff was, was very, not only prominent, but it was a priority. It would be like a man's wallet or a lady's purse. Almost, and probably even a better example would be your cell phone. You don't leave home without it, and you know where it's at at all times, and if you look around and can't find it, you start panicking. Everyone understand what I'm talking about? I'm more apt to notice my phone's not on me than my wallet's not on me. This shepherd would be just as nervous if he couldn't find that rod as you would be if you couldn't find your phone. That's how prominent it was in their life. I told my wife, we was talking about a certain individual, and uh, my wife had texted them early this morning, and they didn't text till after church. They said, sorry, I didn't even see it. I said, I said well, they, just, they don't look at their phone that often. And I said, that's probably a good thing that they're not as attached to their phone as I am. It seems like, you ever catch yourself just 
you ain't got no calls, you've not got any text, and, and you've got to pick up the phone and look at it. Okay, hey, what's going on here? Do I, have I missed something? This staff was very, imp- it was prominent, and it was a priority. This staff was very practical. What I mean by that is it was used every day in the life of a shepherd. It was something that he was very familiar with, something that was very helpful to him, something that, 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 that allowed him to be who he was and do what he was supposed to do. I'm just saying this thing was a big deal. And God looks at Moses after Moses is arguing with God and saying, I can't do this and they're not going to believe me. And then God says to Moses, hey, that staff, what's in your hand, Moses? It's my rod, God. Throw it down. May not seem like a significant statement, but you know what God is saying to Moses? Moses, give it to me. To cast it down means Moses has to take his hands off of it. To cast it down means Moses no longer has control of that staff. To take it down, to cast it down means that, that he is trusting God in what God is going to do with that rod. I wonder tonight, what does God want us to cast down? What is it that God's saying, if you want to see me work, I need you to take your hands off of it? See, we're so guilty, and, and, and when I say we, you understand if one finger's pointing at you, these three are pointing right back at me. We're guilty of thinking, we'll figure it out. We'll make a way. We'll do it. I'm going to tell you one thing, just pause, and I know the pastor's been on stewardship month. Christians, if I can encourage you, I'm afraid we've lost seeing God work miraculously in our finances when credit cards come out. I really do. I made a... I made a promise to myself as a young man before I ever married and I followed through with it and 20, be 27 years of marriage this year I promised myself I would never use a credit card if I didn't know where the money was coming from to pay it so I've never had any credit card debt I use a card all the time but when the card bill comes due it gets paid no interest I've never had a credit card bill go more than a month and owe interest or anything I just I don't do that so we've had times in the ministry, especially since I stepped down for basketball, we've had times that there was no money. The bank account had $10, $11. Yeah, I've got a wallet full of credit cards, but I had no way to pay them. And I, over the years, I've watched God, and I've had to get on my face. And when you say that in our day and time, people say, well, he's just looking for a handout because he has money. He could use a credit card. Not if you don't know where that money's coming from. It ain't my money. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to get on my face and our families had to get on our face and say, God, I, I, I need this. And, and Lord, I, December of 2020, we had been in Michigan just a few months and I had no income. I'd not had hardly any meetings at all. I got there in July and God said, do not take any meetings. And it wasn't like there was a lot of people calling anyway. And I said, how am I going to live? I've got bills, quite a bit of bills, thousands of dollars of bills a month, plus my parents. God said, trust me. And, and by the time we got to December, God had took care of us, but it was tight. And, and then on top of that, the, t- the van, the tires were completely gone, dry rotted, had to be replaced before we left two days later for North Carolina. And then on top of that, I got a tax bill that I wasn't expecting and didn't know about. Long and short, uh, it was, uh, was, uh, was $1,500 or right at $1,600 
in a matter of just a few hours that I found out I had to pay and I had not a dollar to my name. I got the fur, found out about the tires that morning. I took the van to a, a guy in our church that owns a body shop and or a, a repair shop and asked him to wrote that was bouncing real bad and shaking real bad. And I said, see if you can rotate the tires or whatever needs to be done. And he's the one that calls the preacher, forget rotate, you need new tires. He said, I wouldn't drive it five miles on these. So, well, what am I looking at? He said, well, I'll sell them to you at cost, blah, 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 blah. And, and it was 800, whatever, whatever it was. And I said, well, that's great. He said, he said, when you got to leave? I said, Friday, this was Wednesday. He said, well, it'll take me Thursday to get, he said, I got to know now. Well, I'm praying. I say, well, brother, go ahead and get it. He said, no, I'll need the money when you pick them up. I said, yes, sir, you'll have it. Boy, I said, okay, God, I am in a fix now. And then I got that tied. I went to Leanne, and I said, babe, we got to pray. She said, what about? And I told her, and she said, her faith was really good that day. And she said, well, we just got to trust the Lord. God put us in this place. And and boy, I, I love it when she's strong and I'm weak and then I'm strong and she's weak and if we ever get weak, we're in trouble. And both of us together, it's kind of like God and Moses, if they ever both got together, Israel was in trouble. They'd have been dead. She said, she said it's bothering you. I said, it is bothering me. I said, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't have a clue. I don't, where we, I don't have nothing to sell. I said, I guess I could sell one of the kids. I don't think they're worth $800, but you know, we'll... And I played it off, but inside I said, I'm going to go pray. And I'll be honest with you. I was just like Moses. I went to God and said, God, you told me to do this, and I do. Look where it's getting me. I can't even buy tires for my vehicle. And then I got the tax bill. I said, this is great, God. This is due. I didn't know it was going to be due. I didn't know I was going to have to pay this. And I didn't know all the rules in Michigan law. And so here, now this is due. And I said, God, I ain't got the money. I went to pick the kids up from school. And as I went, and I remember as clear as a bell on the way, just tears running down my face saying, God, i got to get this out. I don't want the kids to see this, and I don't want them to know how tore up I am. And God had been telling me all afternoon. I went to Leanne when I got that. I said, look here, look at this. And I'm expecting her to say, oh, what do we, I, I just want someone to be pitiful with me. You know, sometimes when you're, you just want someone to, to, to be miserable with you. Well, she was having one of them good days. Brian, God will provide. It'll work out. Just pray about it. And I'm like, that's not what I wanted to hear. I remember getting in the vehicle, and just a couple times the Lord had said, just trust me, just trust me. You know what he said? He said, just cast it down. Just trust me. I went to pick up the kids, and I got to the school and was waiting on the kids, and my phone, I had a text from Pastor Hal, and our pastor, and he said, where are you at? I said, I'm here at the school picking up the kids. He said, hey, come by the office. I need to talk to you. I was a pastor for 20-something years. And people would say, preacher, when you call and say, I need to talk to you or grab at the church, say, hey, I need, they said, do you know what panic that does in me? I said, no, why would it panic you? If you've not done nothing, what do you, you know? And they say, it's intimidating. I never understood that until I quit being a pastor. And that day, Pastor J.D. said, I need to come to the office. I need to talk to him. I'm thinking, oh, Lord, what have I done? Have to see if I rebuked a member and I wasn't supposed to. Have I said something I was Did the kids, my kids have done something. Sure, and that, that's, I just said, right, well, let's go take the medicine. So I walked to the office scared to death. I'm a grown man. 
I mean, I pastored longer than Brother J.D. He comes to me for advice, and I'm walking like a school kid to the principal's office, and I'm fixing to get chewed out for something, and I'm already trying to come up with defenses. If it's this, here's my answer. If it's that, not even thinking about anything else. And I get to the office. Secretary says, yeah, he's expecting you going back. Great. She even knows what's going on. This is good. I get to the office, and he said, hey, Brother Pastor Dreadway, come in. And, da -da -da -da. and he said, he pulls out an envelope. He said, I was going to call you this morning, but he said, a member called this morning and said, while they were praying, God said to give you this, and they asked if they could just have the church write it, and they'll put it in the check uh, church. He said, I was going to call you this morning, and I got busy or whatever, and he said, I just, <clears throat> but I was going to wait till you got back from your trip, but the Lord said to call you now. I said, that's it? He said, yeah. I said, I'm not in trouble. He said, no. I said, well, praise the Lord. He said, open the check. So I opened the envelope, and it was a check for $2,000. Well, I give 20% off the top. I just, it's what I do, and so 400 that left 1600 which was exactly what I needed to pay those two bills. I'm jumping ahead of myself, but can I tell you tonight, it may be your marriage, it may be your money, it may be your ministry, it may be your children, it may be a problem, uh, it may be church issue, it may be a family issue, but can I tell you what God is looking at us saying to us tonight, would you just cast it down? This rod, it may just seem like a stick to you and me, but to Moses it was very important. And God says to him, if you want to get to the next level, if you want to see me work, Moses, you got to cast it down. This rod that's significant, this rod that's special, you got to cast it down. And what that means is I have to take my control and my will and my wants and my authority and put it at the feet of God. It might be your job. It might be your house. It might be your pocketbook. It might be something in your life. But God says, cast it down. And if we're going to be used of God, we have to cast it down. It might be bitterness that you're struggling with. It might be a sin issue. It might be anger. It might be a, a problem between a brother or sister in the church or someone in the family. I don't care what it is tonight, but what God is saying to us is what I want you to do if you're struggling with something in your life is just throw it down. Cast it down. If we're going to make a difference in someone else's life, you realize Moses is the hero of the Jewish people? He made a difference in Israel. He got them out of Egypt. How did he do that? He had to be willing to cast it down. And by the way, is that not why God saved us and put us in this life, is to make a difference in someone else's life? This whole conversation is not about Moses. It's about Moses being used of God to help someone else. I think we've missed it in the Christian life because we think it's about us. God didn't call you to preach for your sake. He called me to preach and the preacher's in here for you to help somebody else. God didn't give a singer the ability to sing for themselves and to gloat and to glory in it. He gave it so they could minister to someone else. The whole reason we exist is to make a difference in someone else's life. And God is saying, Moses, if you're going to do what I want you to do and make a difference in Israel, you've got to take your hands off of this rod. Cast it down. Moses was content. He was happy. He was satisfied. He had a wife. He had boys. For 40 years, 
He had made a home there in Midian, and he was adjusted. But God says, Moses, I want you to make a difference. I don't know how much he struggled with casting it down, but I'm sure in his mind is the question, and in our mind is the question, if I throw it, what's going to happen? See, when we hold it, we kind of know where it's at and what's going on, and we can control what's going to take place. But if we let completely go of it, it's kind of like the feeling when you put your kid that's just learned to drive or got their license behind the wheel and let them go for the first time by themselves. Even though when you're in the passenger seat, you really don't have a lot of control. You've got a little bit to yell stop or scream or hit that emergency fake brake that's on the passenger side 15 times. But, but, but it's that feeling of that first time that they get behind the wheel and they take that car, normally you're yours, and go down the road by themselves. There's nothing you can do. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen, ain't it? Thing. God says to Moses, I want you to cast it down. I want you to give it to me. But what if it don't turn out right, preacher? Moses does it. But secondly tonight, I want you to notice not only the forsaking that God expected, but notice the fear Moses experiences. Not only the forsaking that God expected of Moses, but the fear that Moses experiences. I'm sure there's a part of Moses that says, if I get rid of this rod, what's going to happen? What's he going to do? What's going to take place? He casts it down. He takes his hands off. He gives it to God, and everything just turns spectacular. Is that what happened? No, verse number three. It became a serpent. <laughs> God, I gave it to you. I'm, I'm taking my hands off. I'm trusting you now. I'm believing you. And God turns it into a snake. I don't want what I cast to God to become something that I'm fearful or scared of. There's not many things I don't like. And there's not many animals I don't care for. But I hate snakes. I'll even go as far to say I, I'm, I'm probably scared of them more than I want to admit. I think they're ugly. I think they're nasty. I think they're cursed. It's the only animal, even the millennial rain, that's still going to have a curse on it. It's still going to crawl on its belly, the Bible said. There is nowhere in Scripture where the, the snake is ever put in a good light. It's always evil. I mean, I don't even think a dead snake's a good snake. I don't want nothing to do with them. I know Moses don't like them because he runs. So do you get the picture? Moses finally gives in to God. He, he casts the rod. He's trusting God. His whole complaint is, God, they're not going to believe me. And I don't know if I can really do what you want me to do. And God says, give me the rod. He throws it down and it turns into, most commentators say, not just a snake but a cobra. If I was more, God, really? Really? My, my snake, my, my, my beautiful rod, my beautiful staff, a snake? 
You finally take your hands off. How many of you over the years, you, you trust God with something, you take your hands off, I'm going to give it to God, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to buy that vehicle, or I'm going to buy that house, or I'm going to give the tithe I'm supposed to, or I'm going to, uh, I'm going to go so winning, and, or I'm going to go in ministry, or I'm going to get my finances, or I'm going to get rid of that burden, whatever it may be. Here it is, God. And what's God do? God turns it into a snake. God took Moses' rod, that thing that was special and significant, and turns it into something that looks evil, wrong, fearful, and unfair. Have you ever felt like God was being unfair towards you? Oh, we would never admit that vocally. It just sounds bad. But I promise you, if you're going to be honest with me, there's times in your life you've looked at God and said, God, I don't think you're doing me right here. I can't tell you how many times when I stepped down from pastoring. I remember the first Sunday walking into First Baptist. That Saturday, I didn't know what to do with myself. There was no study. There was no messages to prepare for. There was no people to plant, line up counseling after service. And we walk into First Baptist and I'm just a member. Wasn't even a member at that point. No one running up to you, hey, pastor, hey, hey, I got to go. I remember sitting there and getting so overwhelmed, I had to walk out of the service just to gather myself. And in that moment, if, you, if I could have put words to what I was feeling, I would have said, God, you're being unfair. You told me to do this, but it hurts. It don't feel right. It, 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 it feels like it's wrong. It feels and looks wrong in my life. I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes we're going to cast some things down and God's going to do with it what we don't expect Him to do or maybe even want Him to do. But if we give it to God, is it not His to do what He wants? Maybe you went to prayer, maybe you come to church or you got in your Bible, you need answers, you need help, you went and talked to the preacher or whatever it may be, and what you got was a snake. And it looks like from the carnal eye that God's being unfair. Have you ever give something to God and it become a snake? I was talking to someone recently. They're having marriage struggles and they said, I went to God and it seems like it's getting worse. You know what they're saying? I feel like God's turned it into a snake instead of a help. Whatever it may be, maybe this morning God dealt with your heart about enlarging your coast or doing more for God or being involved or having faith and you come forward or in your pew and you prayed and said, God help me. And already today, by the time service come tonight, what you give to God has seemed like it's just a snake that's biting you. It looks like God's being unfair. We know he was afraid because the Bible said he fled in verse number 3. You don't run from something you ain't scared of. What are we afraid to cast tonight? What do, we, what do we not want to give to God because we're afraid of what he may do or what he may do with it? Well, preacher, I'll tell you one thing. So far in the message, you ain't helping me want to cast it. If it's going to turn into a snake, you've just, you just confirmed my fears and I'm not doing it. Well, just hang on. Not only do I see the forsaking that God expected and the fear that Moses experiences, but I want you to notice thirdly the fleeing that ensued. 
When Moses sees that God didn't do with it what he thought he was going to do, notice now, verse 3, he cast it on the ground. And, okay, God said cast it on the ground, and he cast it on the ground, and it become a serpent. Watch the next phrase, and Moses fled from before. Now, I'm not too upset with Moses for running here, because I would have done the exact same thing. I'm just going to be honest with you. And spiritually speaking, I've done the same thing. When God, Moses sees God does something with it that is fearful and scary for Moses, he turns and runs the opposite direction of where God's at and what God is doing. Is that not like us? How many of us have seen people do this? God didn't do what they thought he should do. They prayed and grandma died anyway or a parent got, died anyway or the child died anyway or they didn't get the job or they got fired or, or the bill didn't get paid or they didn't win that soul they thought or God didn't answer that prayer or the pastor didn't respond the way they thought and, and instead of staying where God's at and where God's working, they turn and run the opposite way from what they thought God should be doing. What we're really saying when we run is God didn't do what I thought he should do, so I'm running. You realize if Moses had run away, what he would have had? Nothing. Everything God is going to do with Moses is tied back to this rod that God asked for. It's now a snake, and Moses either has to deal with what it is, or he's going to have to miss out. And I'm asking you tonight, what are you running from? What are you scared to face? What sin, what situation, what storm, what struggles in your life that maybe you're disappointed in God and, and God's not worked it the way you thought he ought to work it in your life? If we'd interviewed Moses, he'd have said, I don't know what God's doing, but I don't want no part of it. How do we know that? Because he's fleeing, he's running. I want you to notice, fourthly, not only the fleeing that ensued, but Notice the faith that's exhibited here in our text. This is a mental, I like getting mental pictures of, of what's taking place. And the word flee, the Bible said Moses fled. The word flee means to turn and run as hard as you can. So do y'all got the picture? I mean, it's safe to assume that Moses is running the opposite direction. You don't run to what you're afraid of. You run away from it. So God said, Moses complaining to God. God, they're not going to believe me. How are they going to send me? What if they don't trust me? What do you got in your hand, Moses? A rod. Okay, cast it down. I'm sure there was an inward struggle for a second or whatever may have occurred. Mo <laughs> Moses don't know what God's going to do. He throws the rod down. No sooner does the rod touch the, the ground, it becomes a snake, a cobra, or otherwise, whatever it was, it was scary. Moses turns and takes off running. That's the picture. And somewhere in the running, do you notice verse number four? The Lord said unto Moses, put forth thine hand. I don't think that Moses has quit running yet. So here's the rod that's now a snake slithering and I don't know what it's doing. Moses is running and somewhere along that run, God says, Moses, stop. If he don't say stop, he, he does something because he gets Moses' attention and 
I doubt Moses stops. He hears the voice of God. I'm just assuming Moses is like me. He probably stops when he hears the voice of God when he knows he's a safe distance from that stupid snake. God says, hey, Moses. Yes, God. Go take your hand. <laughs> Stretch out your hand. <laughs> and uh, Moses, I know you don't understand right now, but look at verse 4. Put forth your hand and take it by the tail. Do you know how terrifying it is to grab a snake if you ain't scared of them? And God said, Moses, not only do I want you to grab a snake, my son that's 24 married thinks he's a blessed snake whisperer. He loves grabbing them. Brother from Brother Chapels, he went to college there. And he was security there for Brother Chapel and and he'd be doing security and find stupid snakes and would put them in his pocket, take them in the dorm, and take them to class the next day. And, and Brother Rasmussen and, and Brother Getch knew he was doing it. wouldn't ever stop him. I said, would you guys kick him out or something for bringing stupid snakes in the dorm in class? And God says, Moses, not only do I want you to stop. Now listen to me. To stretch your hand and take the snake. Let's use some common sense. If Moses is ran, I don't know how fast he ran, but he got a little bit away. And pastor, it only makes sense if he's going to stretch forth his hand and take the snake, guess what he's got to do? He's got to go back to that stupid thing he just ran away from. And then not only that, my son, and I've, I've read some things online, they say the worst thing to do with a snake if you don't want to get bit is pick it up by the tail. And the God of creation, the God of glory, the God that says, I love you, Moses, and I'm for you, and I'm going to help you, Moses, quit running. Go back to the snake. Reach out. I'm sure this snake's just looking real pretty for you. And pick it up by the tail. Me and God just been done at this point. God, just kill me now or kill them. I can't do it. I'm talking about the faith that's exhibited. Moses, in spite of his fear, in spite of maybe a little, even, even just a little upset with God about taking that special significant rod and turning it into a snake, Moses turns around. I would have loved to see this picture. I don't think he just, okay, God, I think he's like, be a good snake. Where's the head? God don't give you no other instructions. He don't say how to do it. He don't say go get a stick with two forks and put it over the head and then grab it. He just said go grab the snake. Now you and I know how it ends, but Moses don't in this moment. I don't think this snake was ever going to bite Moses in a million years, but Moses don't know that. And Moses overcomes his lack of faith. He overcomes his fear. He overcomes his disappointment in God. And he picks up that snake by the tail. God saying, trust me, Moses. I believe one of the greatest sins in God's people in our day is a lack of faith. We quit praying. 
because God didn't do what we thought he ought to do in our prayer, so it don't work. Oh, we would never say that, but we believe that or we would pray if we really believe prayer works. We read our Bible and it's black ink on white pages. It don't do what the preacher said it'll do and it ain't changed my life. And so I'm not going to pray. I'm not going to read. What is it that you're not believing God in tonight? What is it that God has disappointed you in that you trusted God, you, you believed God? God told me to do this and I did it. It didn't work out. Therefore, God must be wrong. Preacher, that sounds so bad, but is that not how we operate? And then God wants us to exhibit faith in another area, and we refuse to step out in faith in that area because God disappointed us over here in this area. We gave him our rod, and it was a snake. What is it tonight that God is asking you to cast down and trust him, even though it doesn't look like he's doing it? I'm closing. I want you to notice, lastly, the fruit that's exceptional. The fruit that's exceptional. Verse 4, he put forth his hand. That's the faith. That, that's a lot of faith. And caught it. You know what that tells me? The snake's running from him. I wouldn't chase it to catch it. God, if you want me to catch it, you just put it right there and have it stick its tail in the air. Moses has enough faith to go back, reach down, catch that snake, grab it, and verse 4, the Bible said it become a rod in his hand. Now, wait a minute, preacher. When he cast it, it was a rod, and when he picked it back up, it was a rod. So what was the purpose? Here's the purpose. From this point on, no longer is that rod called the rod of Moses. Look it up yourself, not now, please. From this point on, it's called the rod of God in Moses' hand. Because Moses was willing, though he was fearful and scared, to give it to God and trust God. That rod in Moses' hand would have never done at the Red Sea what the rod of God in Moses' hand could do in the Red Sea. The rod of Moses could have struck a thousand rocks and water would have never come out. But the rod of God in Moses' hand, striking a rock, provides water for millions of people in a desert. Y'all understand what I'm saying? That rod become very fruitful, and it was tied with everything Moses did. It was the rod of God in Moses' hand that as he lifted his hands and raised the rod, that Israel got victory over their enemy, and when his hands went down and the rod went down, they were defeated. Everything that happened in the life of Moses from this point forward is tied to that rod, but it's no longer Moses' rod. It's God's rod in Moses' hand. And what I'm telling you tonight, young or old, I don't care how long you've been saved or if you're a new Christian, along our journey in this faith, over and over again, God is going to want us to cast some things down. And we're not going to want to. Because if I cast it down, my hands ain't on it. God, what are you going to do with it? And sometimes when we, by faith, cast it down, it ain't going to feel good, look good, and it's even going to make things worse. But what I can tell you is if you'll just trust God through the process, 
there will be fruit that is exceptional, that is amazing. Now unto him, Paul said, that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or can think according to the power that worketh within us. God said, I've got a lot I want to do in your life. But you've got to cast it down. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I want to ask you tonight, what is it that God wants you to cast down? What is it that God has said to you tonight or this morning? I need you to, tr some of you were here Saturday, you got trained in soul winning and already the devil's tried to steal your joy and excitement. You can't do it. You don't have the personality. You, and God's just saying, trust me, just cast that rod down. Pastor's been talking about tithing and maybe and stewardship and you're thinking how can I be more faithful or how can I be more involved or I don't know what it is tonight but I promise you maybe it's a marriage issue, a child issue, a work issue, a church issue, a ministry issue. But I believe with all my heart God said this is what I want you to preach. So here's what I want to ask. No one's looking, heads are bowed. I wonder how many say preacher as you were preaching the Spirit of God spoke to my heart and I either need to cast something down or I've cast it down and I'm really not happy with what's going on. Either way, preacher, I need you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up? Hands up all over. Thank you for being honest. I'm going to pray for these hands and I'm just going to ask you. We're almost getting away from an altar, but there's something about coming to an altar and just telling God, I submit, God, I'm casting myself to you on an altar and I'm saying, God, help me. Church, I have not preached from my head tonight. Our brother talked about singing from his heart. I've preached from my heart tonight. God's asked some hard things of me here lately, the last year and a half, that I'll be honest with you. Sometimes even now, they still don't feel good and look good. But I know God has it for my good. And I know when it's all said and done, the fruit that's going to come out of me doing what God said do is going to be exceptional and way better than anything I could have done on my own. Would you let God help you? Some have already come to the altar. Father, Thank you for liberty to preach. Thank you for the kind listening ear of your people and the attentiveness that they've given me tonight. Thank you for this pastor and church. I, I'm excited to see what you're going to do this year with the pastor's vision, and I pray the church and the leadership would get behind him and back him. Lord, he cast his vision, and I, I've been a pastor long enough to know when he cast it, there was probably some naysayers and doubters and people that said, there's no way we can do that or do this. or God, maybe tonight, there's some people listening online or in the congregation that needs to cast down their own thoughts and opinions and say, by the grace of God, we're going to trust you, Lord. And even when it looks like a snake and we don't understand, we're going to, by faith, trust you to do what's right. Use the message. God, I've tried to be an encouragement and a help tonight. I never want to hurt. May you help your people. Give us the faith we need. Touch the invitation in Jesus' name. If you need to come, would you mind the Lord? God spoke to your heart. Some are praying. Pastors up here praying. If God spoke to your heart, why don't you get out of your pew right now and just come to the altar and say, God, help me. Some are coming. Just mind the Lord tonight. If you can't kneel, I get it. I've got arthritis because of malaria. Come sit on the front row. Just show God. God, I want you to know you spoke to me tonight, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my part. I'm coming. Folks are still coming. Would you just let God speak to you? What is it that God's asking you to just trust Him with?
Pastor, you come. Father, thank you for working in our hearts tonight. Thank you for taking your word and through illustration, Lord, just driving a truth home, Lord, that's so clear. And I pray that you would help us, Lord. We are, we are fearful. Um, for whatever reason, we forget you're the God of the universe that gave us breath and that has saved our soul. Yet when you ask us to do something, we get fearful. And Lord, even in the, just the, the simple taking it back up, we get fearful, we run, we flee. And Lord, we, we need your help. I pray that you would continue to drive this into our hearts tonight and that you would help us to meditate on these things. Lord, I believe that you are working in our church, that you're working in our hearts, you've been working in my heart. And I believe that there's there's some casting down and then some taking back up again that needs to happen. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just, that just like you met with Moses, that you would meet with each one of us individually and with our church, Lord, and, and bring us through those moments. I'm thankful that you met with Moses in that moment, that you brought him through. And, uh, Lord, I, I expect that you'll do the same thing. So we give you praise tonight. We're thankful for what you've done uh, in our hearts this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for that. Very, very helpful. And I love it when scriptures just clear the pictures there. God gave us, what did the old, on the New Testament tell us? He gave us the, he gave us the Old Testament for examples, for an example. And uh, uh, we work well with stories. You know, draw the picture for us, and that's what God just did for us tonight. Don't let, this, uh, don't let Satan uh, snatch this seed. Uh, do meditate on it. Uh, very good stuff tonight. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I want our ushers to come and be ready to take up a love offering for uh, for our brother. And uh, they've ministered this weekend and been a blessing to us, been a blessing to me. And uh, so we want to we wanna, um, bless them. And the Bible talks about those that minister the gospel. Uh, we should live of the gospel. And so we want to do that tonight and want to be a blessing to them. And I'll bring a couple of other items tonight. Guys, if you just come forward. And we've already uh, already prayed, but if guys, if you uh, receive that, you can give online. You just need to uh, you need to give at the uh, the Christmas missionary or missions Christmas, brother Tom here. Um, if you if you if you want to give online, do it there. But if you do that today, that would help us keep that divided Christmas uh, just under the uh, the Christmas uh, for missions. Um, option online you can get there